Hazem, thanks so much for joining us today. Can you introduce yourself for the audience? I'm Hazem Fahmi. Uh, I have been with CARE for about uh, 16, 17 years by now. I'm the country director of CARE in Egypt, uh, but I'm mostly proud about being uh, the chairperson of CARE Egypt Foundation, a newly established Egyptian organization that we hope will be joining the CARE family uh, in the near future. And why is it important for us to talk about failure? From my perspective, it's, it is the one thing that we learn most from. I mean, if you cruise through life and, and everything you touch turns into gold immediately, you think you're the greatest thing on earth and you're not necessarily, it's probably because things have been too easy for you. Uh, but a lot of where I've really learned has been through when things did not go right. And uh, to me, that is the most important aspects of why we need to talk about failure, because it's not something shameful about it. Uh, another thing, especially in, if, if you talk about having agile organizations, uh, trying things out and trying small experiments and, and learning from them fairly quickly and not staying stuck with it is a great way of improving. So if evolving towards your success rather than one big plan up front and thinking that life will will go according to your plan for the next few years, it, it just doesn't work that way. And so you talked about the you know, being the chair of the Care Egypt Foundation. That's a huge success, the ability to, to evolve the organization in that way. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that is and, and what that means to become a new member of the CARE family? Uh, what it is, is to take a country office that belongs to one of the members, in this case belongs to CARE-USA, and transforming the organization from being a branch that is owned by somebody to becoming your own organization, having your own board of directors, uh, and become independent and building up your credibility and portfolio. Yes, on the legacy of where you're coming from, but still establishing this new identity almost from scratch. Uh, it, it is also about diversifying how care looks globally. And if care has been in a country like Egypt for the past 60 some years, almost 70 years, and you can still need a branch office that depends on the mothership. To me, that is not a good sign. So uh, tell us a little bit about failure. What went wrong? Oh boy. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit story because I've, I've been part of so many changes in care and, and one of the bigger ones that I started with even before this big transition has been the shift from working in projects to adapting the program approach uh, as a way for long-term strategic vision for, for our work in, in, in the country. And understanding the difference between running a project that is two or three years, five years maximum, compared to designing a 15-year, 20-year-long program, it's it's a night and day difference between the two. Uh, and, and embarking on that, shift and thinking and, and organizing yourself and your your work when it was first introduced to me god knows how many years ago it made sense logically it was obvious uh, but until you actually start doing it so if you say well, i'm not going to do one big project i'm going to go do several small projects that each of them 
addresses a part of a theory of change and they interlock together and so that they together they achieve more than uh, their parts their sum would be more than their parts and you think you know how you're going to be running that whether it's from the human resources perspective from the logistics to the interactions the impact measurement and a year later i would be reflecting with myself said oh oh now i really get it so it's almost like it's never ending learning process and it's and i, I was told up front this is going to be a journey it's going to be about learning uh was proved to be exactly how it happened and the same thing for the transformation uh thinking about what the vision should look like and going from that vision to actually making your colleagues and, and, and the rest of the organization believe in that and walk with you. Uh, very different from abstract thinking something on paper to actually doing it on the ground. So what are some examples of things that didn't work right the first time you tried them? A lot of some of the restructuring that uh, that we have done uh, did not work from from the very beginning the way we envisioned them. So, for example, we created a deputy country director position. So we, we thought that we need somebody to be able to partner with me, to be able to sort of oversee the buildup of the new organization so that we're able to, to split the work between somebody who's paying attention to building the new organization while keeping the old organization functioning and running. So on paper, it sounded good and, and wanted it to be a partnership, wanted it to be indistinguishable from one another. Uh, but that was exactly the problem, is that people were unable to tell the difference between me and my deputy. It, it appears to people as if we are just created another layer of bureaucracy rather than an additional support system. Uh, and it ended up not necessarily to solve it or to fix it. It was more about working the dynamics of creating the trust between myself and my deputy uh, and the rest of the senior managers and outwards into the various uh, platforms within the organization that starting to shift that confusion and starting to get the best of the two of us rather than uh, the worst of the two of us. Were there any examples where you were really convinced something was going to be the right answer and it wasn't? I, I talked earlier about the programs, and we had four programs, one of which was a governance program. And I believed firmly that the governance is an approach, and it is a cross-cutting approach. It is part of uh, a root cause of poverty and, and, and power dynamics that lead to poverty in our country. Uh, and I was completely convinced that dismantling the program so that it actually does not live in a silo, dismantling it and creating a, a, a cross-cutting unit, cross-cutting strategies unit, will, will allow us to truly infuse that in all our projects and all our programs and get the benefits of our, our expertise in, in, in the different programs. But it backfired big time and it took a couple of years to fix. We did not go back to creating a program, but I think what I thought was right is to do it overnight rather than to do it gradually and to create enough momentum and buy-in before we actually switch lights on, on one mode of operation and turn the lights on the second. And doing it overnight like that uh, seemed like the right idea at the moment, but boy, it, did, it didn't turn out to be that way at all. 
And how do you know when something is failing? What are some of the signals or information you look for to tell you when you're on track or off track? I think the biggest thing, and I'm learning this the hard way, is to, to listen to what people are not telling you, to, to, li- to look for cues. Or when, people, when more people are being burned out, or uh, all of a sudden you're getting resistance and pushback on things that, that are really rather simple. Uh, so uh, keeping, keeping uh, your ears to the ground, to the morale of, of the organization, that can signal a lot that is not being said or people may be uh, reluctant to talk to you openly uh, because of this position or that position that you're at. A lot of what you've talked about so far is about challenges inside the organization. Were there any failures or things you ran into externally, either with partners or with other parts of the context you weren't expecting? There are things that, that still happen today is especially with the transformation, you can tell people that you are doing this for strategic reasons. You can tell people that it's to create more legitimacy. But many, 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 whether it's government officials or donors, they are often very skeptical, uh, tend to box you on some into an image that you're, you must be doing this for tactical reasons rather than for strategic reasons. So when you say it's not really about finding another pot of money or uh, it's, it's truly about becoming Egyptian and having a voice and, 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 and creating a different voice in, in, in a global family. Saying it's one thing and getting them to believe it is another. So uh, how we communicate that and, and naively walking in and talking ideals and altruistics and we had to prove that. So they're just just because we believe it, just because you think it's the right thing to do, it doesn't mean that people will take you at faith value or, or, or immediately go along with you. You, you. you have to be quite careful how you present yourself, how you talk about it, and you have to be, you have to be patient enough that it will, it will take more than one round and more than one test before people get what, why are you doing what you're doing. And some of them will never believe it. Some of them will, will never will be on board with it. But many will will respond to your perseverance over time. If you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? I would create an ownership and, and more champions up front. I think I started with like two or three people. And over time, we have expanded from three people to like five or six. And then so we kept going outwards. Also, that I, I give in to the planning mode. Uh, Care wanted a business plan, wanted to know what will be the, the time frame by which we will be building the portfolio. Everything sounded like, like a machine-like a project plan, so to speak. Uh, however, when you're doing transformation of that magnitude, it's not about having a perfect plan. You still need plans. But it's, it's more like having a, a strategy. It's more like having a North Pole vision and learn how to fail and adapt and, and move along and maneuver to, to get to that North Pole in front of you. Never lose sight of that. And one of the biggest mistakes I believe that we have done and I would do differently if we do that over, care more about creating the, the strategy, the business model, the things that will will be more about the why 
we are doing what we are doing and then let the rest of it, the planning, the how, be flexible and, and let it move with where the pieces may fall. How do you convince people to make that shift? And what do you look for to make sure that people are being more adaptable rather than focused so much on the planning? I call on the sense of humbleness because plans assume that you know the future. Plans assume that you are ready for every single shift or mishap that may happen along the way. And knowing up front that you're to predict everything to to the letter that way, definitely not for three, five years to come. So getting that realization into people's heads uh, make us all humble enough to know that Know what the big vision is, know what the North Pole is, and then plan for the next three months, maybe plan for the next year, and and measure along the way whether things are moving. CARE has been doing projects for 70-some years and around the world in Egypt for 60-some years. There's hardly ever any project that we started uh, with a plan, and by the time you finish the projects in two years, uh, you look at what you have done and you come compare that to the plan that you have submitted in your proposal and you find an exact match. And so you just remind people it's it's exactly the same, but but it's even a much bigger endeavor that you are attempting. To. One of the things you've talked about is measuring if you're on track or off track. What kinds of things do you measure? The things that we have talked about when we talk about the transformation here is that we, we, we started thinking about what are we afraid of? And dissecting into that we have created what we call the organizational health the health indicators so we are afraid that if we create a board that this board will not be in line with the care culture and they will take us straight into something and we can become something that we are not so we have created these indicators that will answer to what we want success to look like and from there we said that if, if these are the indicators of what success looks like, then if we periodically visit where we stand in any of these, and it's not like it's milestones of a plan that's being implemented. But for example, uh, taking that uh, example of, of the board, if we want a board that will not morph care into something that we don't want it to be. So how is that impact the criteria by which we select the board members. Now that you've been meeting with these board people, are they becoming authoritarians? Are they are they truly trying to learn with you? Are they trying to help you? Or are they trying to uh, dictate their own vision without truly digesting who you are as an organization? So you create the indicator of a board that's in alignment with overall culture that will advance that direction that we've been at for the past 60 years and advancing it rather than making us something that we are not. And you can take that into uh, into many more arenas. For example, uh, you claim that you're doing this and you're not going to be losing any markets because you will be more attractive to many donors because of the localization agenda, for example. So. Are you on track or not on track? Once you announce this to people, to some donors, are are they running away from you or they're getting excited with you and they're granting you more and more 
contracts. A lot of parts of care, a lot of parts of many INGOs are thinking about the localization and diversifying the way they show up in the countries where they work. What are one or what is one or what are some actions that you would recommend to other people based on your experience? The one thing I would recommend is that the drivers has to be genuine. It has to be about strategically wanting to be more legitimate and having a different voice. If you do not believe in that, if it's a tactical move, it's not worth your hassle. It's not worth the pain you will be going through. The second thing I would recommend, it's not one size fits all. Context matters quite a bit in the kind of organizations that exist in the country where you're hoping to localize matters quite a bit. The environment uh, that is open for civil society or not open for civil society will matter quite a bit on how you do things. Do not take anybody's example or anybody's experience blindly and think that it may work in your context because uh, they are very different. And the, the agility and ability to maneuver and to and to adapt, like we were talking a minute ago, it all comes from the unknowns that will come at you uh, from the environment around you. Again, so that's why context is very important. And at CARE, the most important thing we do is about impact. Our mission is all about serving people who need it most. How do lessons from this failure improve our impact? If, when we talk about viability uh, around the transition. Uh, often we find ourselves talking about financial viability, where we really should be talking about impact viability. And is what we are doing increasing our impact or is it cornering us into places that are shrinking our impact? Even we can become bigger organization money-wise, but we're being boxed into something that is uh, diminishing the impact that we have. One of the biggest shifts that we are doing is uh, in introducing market approaches to how we do business, how we do social justice in Egypt. And uh, social enterprises, creating social enterprises is a key way of creating funding mechanisms that will be producing social change, but do not have to depend on phases of donor money. So, and if you start it with a donor uh, funds, but you build it up enough so that it actually it, it's able to finance itself uh, and deliver the social impact. So, once you work in the economics into your activity, you can easily lose sight of why you're doing that. And I've I've had colleagues of ours that we talk about. Uh, breaking a value chain and, and some agricultural products so that we are able to uh, have fairer distribution of the, the, the value, the wealth to the small farm. And they say that if, if we do it this way, we have an opportunity to make uh, half a million Egyptian pound over the next three months. And, and then we can take that half million and and distribute it or give it to people. Or, or But I said, well, that that's not creating a sustainable business model. You're doing like many private sector companies where they are doing whatever, hurting the environment or hurting the economics or not being fair to their constituents or to the to the base of the pyramid and think that it's okay because once you take a profit, you take 5% of that and sort of you, you, you save your face by, by distributing that money like a charity. And charity is good, but if not 
on the expense of doing business right from the beginning. And when we introduce market approaches to the way we work, it's very easy to lose sight of why we're doing this and you get drawn into the attractiveness of, of creating a business that's growing and making it bigger on the expense of making it fair and making it impactful and, and creating social change. But it's certainly one of the biggest fears of mine is that we, we can lose sight of our impact and why we're doing market approaches and get sucked into these markets and be just like any other business. Thanks so much for joining us, Hazem, and thanks to the audience for listening. Tune in next time to hear more lessons from Failing Forward.